0: This is Truth Jihad Radio bringing incendiary free speech to the internet airwaves since 2006. If it's interesting, provocative, worth thinking about, and protected by the Constitution, we will talk about it. So if you like free speech, please do support Truth Jihad Radio by going to truthjihad.com and clicking on the subscribe at Substack link. Welcome back. This is the live version of Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, broadcasting live from an undisclosed location here in the woods of western Wisconsin every Friday evening, right here on Revolution.Radio. It's archived at No Lies Radio at the UNSReview, that's com, and you can find out more about this show by going to the radio link at TruthJihad.com. And you can get early access to the shows by clicking on the subscribe at Substack link at TruthJihad.com. Well, this is a Truth Jihad, folks, and only a, an all-out crazed Truth Jihadi would bring on guests like I'm bringing on this hour. These are guests who are being condemned uh, by the ADL, the JDL, pretty much all the DLs, and even the Ann Arbor City Council. Well, they didn't condemn Monica Schaefer, who's coming on in a half an hour to join the conversation, but they did condemn Henry Herskovitz. (laughs) Henry has been leading a protest at the Beth Israel Synagogue in Ann Arbor, Michigan for something like 18 years, and... Now, after 18 years, the city council, which has heard a whole lot of complaints from the usual suspects about this, finally did pass a resolution condemning Henry and his group as, get this, anti-Semitic. Who would have thunk that they would ever use that expression? Anyway, we're going to get Henry's side of the story, which apparently is maybe not acceptable in the mainstream media because they never will let you hear that side of the story. That's why we're here at Truth. had radio. So, hey, welcome, Henry Hirskovitz. How are you?
1: Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing fine here in Michigan.
0: All right. Yeah, I'm doing well, too. So, you know, congratulations on once again making the news. And uh, I mean, I am shocked, shocked that they called you anti-Semitic.
1: Well, not only did they call me anti-Semitic, um, and they do that because uh, one of the signs that we have every Saturday morning is uh, Jewish power corrupts. And um, earlier in the month, I spoke to the city council about uh, about this Jewish power, and, and I defended our sign. I, I said that there was um, um, a, a great deal of you know we we try to get our message out, and uh, you know for instance an ad in the local newspaper, and uh, a Jewish powerful Jew steps up and writes a letter to the editor, and now our ads are are the ads that we were going to pay money for. Are um, are no longer accepted um, because of this little Jewish power, and I explained to council, okay, so that's small potatoes. But what do you think of this Jewish power? And that occurred in the attack of the um, USS Liberty that you're familiar with in 1967, and and um, the um, you know the the President Johnson. Under this uh you know not wanting to offend his friends in Israel, his Jewish friends in Israel issued stand down orders from the sixth Fleet that were trying to come in and rescue the u s s liberty from the attack uh by members by um military members of the uh, jewish state and um um and so in my word in my view uh he he committed treason um by uh by not allowing uh, a fellow um, airmen to um, and, and Navy people to, to to come to the aid of the ship that was being attacked in an attack that lasted longer than than Pearl Harbor. Um, you, know,
0: you know, it said Henry that Johnson was at the time of the Liberty attack. He was in bed with his uh, powerful Jewish girlfriend, who was I think the wife of the ambassador or something like that, the Israeli ambassador. So I guess that's a, a kind of Jewish power too.
1: Well, that that is that is maybe Epstein can uh, if you were back if you were with us could uh, explain that even further to you. But um when I when I got word that the city was going to um um pass a resolution and this is not the first time the city council has passed the resolution against us, I guess it is the first time they used the word anti Semitism against us, and of course that's that's all that that's the, the all the rage now. Um that um even the the uh the term anti Semitism is being re spelled uh, the New York Times, you might be uh, familiar with, has a, a style code, and they uh, they are now dropping the hyphen and the capital S of anti uh, semitism and now it's just one word, all lowercase uh, um, letters. And and surprisingly, or not surprisingly enough, an article in the local uh, Jewish news this month uh, revealed that that style change came at the uh, at the request of the powerful Jew Deborah Lipstadt. Um, and again, I told city council that this is Jewish power on full display, uh, to anybody that wants to look. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just right there. I said language is yet another victim to, uh, to Jewish power. Uh, but it's not the first time. Um, you know that the, the, the word Holocaust didn't enter the, uh, lexicon until, um, um, 1980, 1982. Um, and so, um, um this is this this juggling around of language this way we describe things um and i was you know it just it was just amazing i said while they're condemning us um and and following the edicts the commands of jewish power i said that the city council passes a resolution again um and and the uh the, the powerful Jews speak up. They demand of city council that they do something. They say jump, and the city council says how high on the way up, and they pass this resolution um, unanimously. Even the Palestinian member of the um, of the city council, my ward representative, uh, and he voted in in favor. And I, I guess I I understand that because of this hidden hand of this this he knows. That he's going to spend the rest of his political career um, defending his vote uh, against. Uh, uh, an, I mean, how could you possibly stand up against this Jewish power, knowing that you voted against the resolution condemning um, condemning anti-Semitism? So,
0: you so, know, so it, wait a minute. Was this a unanimous vote? It was a unanimous vote. Yes. Wow. Um, well, that that certainly proves there's no such thing as any Jewish power whatsoever in Ann Arbor,
1: doesn't it? <laughs> that's that's absolutely right. You're making me laugh here. You know, I I told them, uh, you know, I said if if Council really wishes to to combat anti-Semitism, um, tell the Jews to stop beha- to start behaving themselves. I said that anti-Semitism always. Wait, wait a
0: minute, Henry. Is, isn't that kind of unfair? Like to lump all the Jews. I mean, you have you know your problem in Ann Arbor isn't with every Jew in Ann Arbor. It's with a certain select group, isn't
1: it? I think um, it's it's with with all Jews. I think this is a a good distinction that we should we should um, unpack here and and talk about uh, because I think if you go up to any Jew that, you know, and hold a button in front of them and say, if you push this button, Israel goes away. Will you push the button? I'll bet you will find zero. Really? i would be willing to push the button. Yeah. I mean, the, Hmm. the, you know, the rabbi. Explain to us here in Ann Arbor that every member of the Beth Israel congregation supports Israel's right to exist as Israel. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Is it, so,
0: so, Henry, this button that you push and Israel goes away—it's not a nuclear button. It's—it's it's like a peaceful
1: button. I hope. Yes, it's a peace. I mean, that's—that's. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm not a violent man. I'm I'm I'm, I'm 150 pound um, heart patient. You know, so. Um, I'm not I'm not a threat physically. Okay.
0: Well, it, well, yeah, I mean, that, that makes it more understandable why, you know, but we I wish that, well enough, that they I would push,
1: push it. the button and it goes away. So there's no Jewish supremacism in Palestine. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody, uh, you know, lives as Palestinians wanted to live 80 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that sounds reasonable to me. And it is kind of shocking that you think the percentages would be that high. I don't know. I, I remember reading Robert Shearer's book. Uh, I forget what it was a long time ago. And he he wrote about how Israel had become sort of the only thing that really brought American Jews together that they were all concerned about. But I think even in his book, in that book, he admits is really only like maybe two thirds to three quarters. And then there is this, you know, this group of American Jews that really doesn't give a rat's patootie about Israel. And and they might be as many as like between a quarter and a third.
1: Well, I, I, you know, again, I will um, I'll challenge you on that. I'll say you go out and find find me one that will push that button and then we'll get to be able to talk about a, uh, a solution to this to this um, uh, Jewish problem, uh, and it is. It's a, uh, it's a Jewish state um, created in an area that um, the people didn't want them there. They threw out three-quarters of a million Palestinians so that they could develop a Jewish majority. Um, if you read the um, um, nation-state law that, uh, the, that Israel passed in 2018, three years ago, four years ago, uh, it's a com- it's an incredibly racist document, and if, if people don't believe it, just suggest that they exchange the word Jewish for white, and and see how it reads. Like America is the is the homeland of the white people, you know, all the you know, which is a lie. And the same thing is with Israel. The it, isn't that funny? This
0: the same group of people uh, is so uh, unwilling, really, to question Israel as a Jewish state, but they're completely. Uh, really upset about the rise of this white nationalist movement that wants America to be a sort of a white state or a white Christian state or what have you.
1: It, yeah, isn't that clever? They want to focus on white supremacism. They never even mention the word Jewish supremacism. You could go to these faux peace groups like Jewish Voice for Peace and scan their uh, their website for the phrase Jewish supremacism. You won't find it. If you scan for white supremacism, you'll find it a dozen, to two dozen times. Well, you'll know, and that makes
0: me wonder, Henry, that, you know, whether maybe uh, that I'm not trying to agree with the city council or anything, but the expression, you know, Jewish power corrupts, you know, targeting the notion of Jewish power uh, is, you know, it has a, a kind of a weakness, which is that If you're totally against all forms of Jewish power, what does that mean? You want all Jews to be totally powerless? No, that can't be right. So maybe a better uh, thing to target would be Jewish supremacism, because it is in Israel. That's the problem. It's Jewish supremacism and i don't think anybody could really defend jewish supremacism and it it does have a parallel with the white supremacism that we're all being trained to to hate on cue like Pavlov's dog and you know drool in hatred when we hear about white supremacists. well so supremacist the, the the word supremacist has negative connotations and it perfectly describes the phenomenon at hand whereas i'm not sure that jewish power does yeah it's true that jews by and large are on average somewhat more wealthy and powerful than uh, most other ethnic groups, okay, but really kind of so what uh, if you say, well, there's this phenomenon of Jewish supremacism where they've got their Jewish state and their their Holocaust, they're ethnically cleansing the non-Jews over in occupied Palestine. This is a symptom of a kind of problem in the Jewish community, a, a kind of sort of, sort of you know, hi- hyper uh, in-group feeling uh, and, and uh, ethnocentrism in the Jewish community. Yeah, then you have a pretty good case. So maybe maybe those signs should be targeting uh, this Jewish supremacy or supremacism rather than Jewish power.
1: Well, come on back to Ann Arbor and, and you can hold up a sign that says <laughs> I mean, Hey, you know, it's a free country. I, I will defend the sign because I think it's Jew, it's not Jew is a Jewish supremacism that dominates our Congress and our foreign policy. I think it's Jewish power that does that. And in fact, in a book by the same name, um Jewish power by JJ J. Goldberg, he uh he he spells out how powerful jews are in in the um in the media and in the uh in the government um he's, he had a, he had lunch with a guy that said "See this napkin by three o'clock i could get the signatures of seventy senators on this napkin you know because they they dominate our foreign policy it's always um israel first there is um there's absolutely uh no uh differentiation in APAC meetings, there's no differentiation in Congress. Um, when when a, uh, a leader of a foreign country can come come in and get 28 standing ovations, um, as uh, Benjamin Netanyahu did a couple years back, um, what 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 um, office holder in the United States could even come close to getting 28? They couldn't get 15 standing ovations, you know. Um, and it's it's a uh, uh, you know to me that's um, you know it's it's jewish power um just 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 there it's the it's the power when we put up a, a billboard you know we pay a billboard company um $3000 for a 3 month contract and it gets taken down in a week and we ask them why they took it down and they say well the JCRC uh the Jewish Community uh, Relations Council of Detroit um started screaming at us and um you know they didn't specify but I I know in my gut that that there was threats of removal of advertising, and um, um, this this method of uh, dynamic silencing is uh, is written uh, by Jewish authors as well as non-Jewish authors. It's a uh, it's a power that, that even prevents people from discussing Jewish power. That that's exactly the you know that's the that's the, the essence of the of the phrase. So it's um you know I, I stand by that. I certainly think it, it it um evinces itself or exhibits itself in the Jewish supremacist state of Israel. Um as you point out, that's what it that's what it is. And um but I, I you know I do think that um you know as long as Jews are going to be treating Palestinians horrifically and uh and holding the cudgel of the Holocaust above anybody's head who dares criticize Israeli behavior and talks about um, uh, Jewish identity politics or um, or religious ideology within the Jewish religion that, that that tells people to dominate and go in and invade and and expel the Amaleks and stuff like that. It is a um, you know it's 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 not a religion that you that really uh, is universal in any any way shape or form. It's very tribal. It's very um, insular. And uh, which is the reason that we we stage our protests at a conservative synagogue, because the racism that drives the state of Israel is born and nurtured within the walls of that synagogue. And um, it's where it's where children, innocent children are being taken to a foreign country to pose with soldiers and say the world is against you. And so you have to be strong and you have to fight back. And it's this us versus them paradigm. You don't see synagogues with signs like "everybody is welcome." That's what I see on Presbyterian churches and uh, Methodist churches, and, and even um, well, and, and you know, the the mosque in Ann Arbor says, "Come in and explore Islam," um, and, and we will we will tell you about it, and, and you can you can become Muslim if you like. But you know, but if Jews are still going to define themselves through bloodline. It's a it's a it's a tribal faith. It's not much of a faith at all, as a matter of
0: fact. Well, you you it's, can convert to Judaism. I I know somebody. My uh, I think my son's kindergarten teacher converted to Judaism. So it it does happen.
1: Um, well, I I believe. Um, I could be wrong, but I'll bet you that there, there's not a single Orthodox rabbi in Israel that would bless that conversion. They would all say right, why not right, yeah. That, that is not different schools. A valid there, conversion. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, when, when, when you have people like the um, Rabbi uh, Menachem Schneerson, who, who said that the differentiation between Jews and Gentiles is like the difference between Gentiles and animals and cows. And, and that's, you know, we have to differentiate. It's on completely different levels that the Jews are, are, are in God's image. And Gentiles are in an animal's image. It's uh, I'm, I'm roughly translating this, but it's it's horrific. It's an incredibly racist statement. Alison Weir has a great article about this on her website. If Americans knew, and uh, listeners should go go there and 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 you know us, uh, excuse me, search for the word Schneerson, and, um, and 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 they'll find this article. It's a um, you know so so my point. To uh, to city council is if you're serious, if you're serious about fighting anti-Semitism. Um, you got to get you got to get Jewish behavior under control, and um, and and uh, as a Helen Thomas said, uh, tell the Jews to get the hell out of Palestine. I echo that. Um, you know they they stole the land. Uh, ben Gurion admitted as much. And uh, and if and if uh, I said to city council, quote, if Jews want the world to stop hating them. Tell them to give it back. That would be a good start and might even be long lasting towards ending anti-Semitism. But the the more um, Jews misbehave, <laughs> anti-Semitism, no matter how you want to spell it, um, is, is going to increase. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that they, they, they changed the word. They took the word Semite, capital S Semite, out of the word. Because that means well, they're that, hiding it because because look who the real Semites are. Right? The exactly. Arabes. They don't they don't want to be associated with those dirty Arabs. Right. Arabs. They don't want to be associated with Palestinians or or, you know, um, it, you know, anybody else who came from that area because they know they didn't come from that area. You know, DNA tests can if DNA testing proved that European Jews originated in the Levant, we'd hear about it as many times as we hear about the Holocaust. And uh, and I guess I was
0: I've actually seen contradictory reports on that. I I think I've seen reports claiming that there is a certain amount of uh, DNA from the Levant in the Ashkenazi Jewish population that would have come from uh, the male line, And it looks like some uh, males from the Levant uh, procreated with European or Eastern European women uh, and that that may have been sort of the beginning of the Ashkenazi population, which, of course, did sort of continue to interbreed with uh, with Europeans. So it is mostly European, but there seems to be a little bit of uh, Levantine blood, too. I
1: uh, you know, I, I'm not you know, uh, our friendship isn't going to be harmed by me disagreeing with you. <laughs> and, well, I, more, and more I, research is necessary. I'm not
0: really I'm, yes. I'm not sure whether what I just said. I'm, I'm just, I'm just stepping
1: judgment. back like a lawyer does and say, well, if this is true, what would happen? And I contend that if it was true, that it could be absolutely proved that Jews came from Palestine, we would hear it every day, ten times a day. And, hmm. and we hear about the Holocaust every day, ten times a day. And, and I'm remiss in not wishing you a happy Holocaust Memorial Day. from yesterday. Oh, is this the Holocaust Memorial Day today? Oh, yesterday was. And, yesterday, uh, okay. So, uh. Uh, you know, please accept my belated uh, well wishes.
0: Interesting. You know, it's funny. I think I published a I I guess I published my uh, my Holocaust parody article uh, in terribly poor taste. I'm sure some would say uh, certainly the city council would say that Uh, I guess that was the day before yesterday. So it was on the eve of of Holocaust Remembrance Day that I did that. And, uh, you know, may Yahweh forgive me. I was just kidding. (laughs) Seriously, folks, (laughs) uh, uh, you know, Henry, uh, we've. The city council and others who, who don't like your protest probably think, well, this, you know, protesting a house of worship, that's, you know, that, that's kind of, uh, kind of pushing it. But, you know, if you think about it, if there was a Christian church that supported the Ku Klux Klan and sent their kids to go, you know, get trained and brainwashed by the Ku Klux Klan, you might have folks out. Protesting that church, and so if you have a synagogue that's doing the same thing with Israel, which is actually a lot more racist than the Ku Klux Klan, a lot more vicious, and has killed a hell of a lot more people, and committed genocide. Uh-huh. Uh, frankly, if if you can protest the one, the church, you should also be able to protest the synagogue.
1: Well, I may I may steal that analogy from you. Um, I'll pay you royalties, though. As, okay, yeah, just uh, yeah, kick in the royalties <laughs> there at the trademark office. <laughs> yeah, the um. Um, I wanted to, uh, let's see, I wanted to uh, talk about the um, the court case that is that is ongoing. Do I have time to do that?
0: Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, Monica Schaefer should be joining us in about six minutes, uh-huh. uh, but you can still talk even when she's on the show.
1: <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, well, I would certainly want you to wish her um, a, 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 a fine and fair hello from me because I'm a big fan of hers. Um, and yeah, I know she's a fan her- of yours, too and i know her brother is incarcerated for his political views in uh in in uh germany i believe um yeah and it's crazy he's been locked up since 2018 yeah and he's and that's just insane. that's just ridiculous and people that that feign uh support of free speech would do well by uh you know signing documents demanding the release um i'm blanking on his name is it, is it alfred yeah, Al- alfred yeah alfred, alfred, alfred yeah um well he's, he's been uh, on the show a couple of times too yeah there is a um there there's a a, a, a phrase called pilpul p i l p u l i don't know if people know that word um but it comes from uh rabbis um arguing uh the hair splitting uh the fine differences in uh, halakhic rule and stuff like that um and and I, it's it's actually a, a a torturing of the words and phrases uh, of any circumstance until you get what you want at the end and uh, with our um, lawsuit it's it's doing exactly that i don't know if your listeners know that two years ago we were sued by two members of the congregation and a very uh, combative aggressive jewish lawyer named mark Susselman um, in federal court and uh, that he, he his, their claims were that we were preventing them from exercising their first amendment right to to freedom of worship, and of course that's that's that doesn't hold any water at all because the first amendment guarantee of freedom of religion only applies to the government um saying that you can't um uh, uh pray in one religion or, or uphold one religion over another. It has nothing to do with private actors, even if we were preventing them from from uh, praying at the uh, at the synagogue. So you're not, which we're not. And so the, the pill poll comes in where they had to also sue the city government of Ann Arbor. The mayor is included in. It. He's also a defendant like myself. And the um, city attorney and the assistant city attorney are all thrown in there because they're that's the government action because they're, they're arguing this in this pill pull this hair splitting way they're saying well you know it's the government that's that's attacking these Jews and in keeping um, these Jewish people from worshipping the way they want so it is a violation of First Amendment and of course the uh, district court saw right through that and said. Full Twinkie. That's that's not gonna that's not gonna hold water. And uh, voted in our favor. They dismissed the case. Um, and this is going on for for two years. They uh, the the plaintiffs went to the appellate court, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, out of Cincinnati, and and they uh, uh, and they got defeated there too. Um, and after that, they went back to the same court of appeals. Uh, because they they had us, they had the case heard by three judges. They wanted the entire bench, the sixteen or twenty members of the uh, six, Sixth Circuit court, to hear the argument. and And they as the Sixth Circuit denied that request, they said we couldn't even find one judge that wanted to uh, to br- to bring this up for a rehearing. So now they are um, they're off to um, uh, to the Supreme Court. Uh, we, mo- we most likely will be going to the Supreme Court now, um, and they and they're going after this. Another another example of this pill pull is that is that the plaintiffs are saying, okay, well the the um, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals said um, it's it's you know Israel American relations are of public interest, so you can discuss this with your First Amendment guarantees on the sidewalk. But our signs, since we say Jewish power corrupts, well, those are anti-Semitic signs. And the First Amendment isn't there to prevent that. And, you know, so that, that means it is a uh, uh, an illegitimate use of the First Amendment. But they're twisting things around because we say that um, the corruptive influence of Jewish power, and, and you're right, it's not all Jewish power isn't bad. It only rears its head and becomes a problem when it when it works against the country's interests, when it works against uh, freedom of expression. Um, And so that is the uh, you know, we say that's absolutely a matter of public concern. But they're going to try to pill pull the hell out of this thing and twist the logic and twist the words into trying to get things their way. They got a powerful lawyer named Nathan Lewin out of Washington, D.C., Who's now appealing to his buddy uh, Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court to intervene? Um, and the uh, wow, there's been a split in the plaintiffs, and the other set of plaintiffs, uh, or the other, the woman um, who's who is up um, represented by Mark Susselman, is has already made a a plea, a, a writ of certiorari. Uh, at the, um, at the Supreme Court level. And it's, uh, it's, I just read part of his thing today because it just came out yesterday. And it's, it's, it's just hilarious. I mean, he's talking about, you know, that we, we call, we use the word kike. We don't use the word kike. You know, it's, it's just, uh, amazing how, um, things, um, you, you know, you point out errors to people. Um, the, the man who, um, Uh, Andrew Lappin, the guy that wrote the Jewish Telegraphic Agency article, I finally got a hold of him. To his credit, he had a a good exchange with me. But his article said that we chant at the vigils. We've never chanted at the vigils. And so, you know, he finally relented and made a change to the article. But what he said was, um, this story has been updated to reflect that the protest group has not been recorded chanting any slogans during their Saturday morning synagogue protests. I mean, to me that just screams pill They they're like they're like, you know, it's like me saying, well, you know, we've never, you know, re- recorded uh Andrew Lappin having um, you know, sex with a goat. So, I guess we're just going to have to, you know, assume the best and move on or something like that. It's <laughs> um, I've never I,
0: been recorded with that goat.
1: Right, I've, I've I've never seen a recording of that, so uh, you know. But I'm I'm not going to say he doesn't do it. See, that's that's the whole implication, you oh, know. But I will go on record as saying uh, Andrew Leppin doesn't have any
0: um, sexual relations with animals, as, as far as you know, as far as <laughs> it's, it's been recorded. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I'm glad we've got that straight at least, <laughs> and I hope this uh, this court case works out. I mean, it's it's of course generating all kinds of publicity. Uh unfortunately it's only truth she had radio and uh, others of like mind who were letting you tell your side of the story the rest of it is all pretty much scripted by the usual suspects
1: Thank well, you for that my friend Yeah.
0: well hey it's, it's it's great having you on and now we're being joined by Monica Schaefer she's in an undisclosed location in western canada uh and she has herself had a brush with the draconian censorship over in germany and her brother alfred is still in prison since 19 since 2018 uh for free speech offenses and monica is one of the bravest people i know Uh, she did host my 9 11 truth talks up in alberta and uh around the time that i was there doing that she was studying the Holocaust issue, and she came to some very politically incorrect conclusions and spoke out and has never stopped speaking out. Uh, She made that video, Sorry Mom, I Was Wrong About the Holocaust, which went viral and drew all kinds of panicky attention from the uh, forces that don't want such things discussed. And so she's been kind of a free speech freedom fighter ever since. So hey, welcome back, Monica. How are you?
2: Hello, Kevin, and hello, Henry. This is just such an honor How's my sound? You can hear me all right?
1: Sound yeah. great. Hi, Monica.
2: Yeah, hi, Henry. I've been listening for the last half hour and have really enjoyed this interview. And just want to thank you again, Henry, for writing letters to me in jail. And I think that uh, my lawyer actually talked about your, you know, interventions uh, on behalf of myself and I think also on behalf of others and that you are Jewish and so he particularly made a point of that to the judge in the court case and also in the bail hearings. Now it probably didn't m- make a big difference but anyway it was, uh, it was talked about. <laughs> Well, Henry, like
0: like Gilad Atzman, you're probably ambivalent or worse about your your Jewish identity at this point, aren't you?
1: I'd say worse, but you know, if, <laughs> if I if I can help Monica, you know, I'll I'll be a Muslim if I have to do that. Okay, put, well, put maybe, on that yarmulke for that for that maybe, purpose.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe you're one of the people who would call yourselves a an ex Jew or a former Jew because you know the the work you're doing is just terrific, Henry, and I just want to thank you for that.
1: Well thank you uh you know x jew probably works you know I, I the more I uh I look at it the uh the 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 in I don't know the whole insular a- attitude is something that I don't want any part of uh you know color me uh Gilad Otsman. uh you know it's uh or 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 Paul Eisen who uh, actually uh was a was a friend of mine as well is a friend of mine and he converted to uh Catholicism so. yeah
2: you know my my brother Alfred he talks about this a uh, faulty operating system that the Jews operate on it It's just a a really bad operating system, and so you've uh unplugged yourself from that i guess as it were you know you've completely extricated yourself from that and and uh so that's great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's you know, I mean, I still like a a, a good Mel Brooks movie, but you know, it's uh, I'm just not gonna. I prefer the Marx
0: Brothers actually myself. Pardon?
1: I prefer the Marx Brothers. Ah, okay. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> Go ahead, Monica. I didn't want to step yeah. on it.
2: No, that's all right. So, Kevin, you you would like um, to, me to talk about Alfred? I would imagine that's always. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I mean, it's, it's you know, time has gone by and. Now, I just can't believe this much time has gone by. He's still locked up.
2: There's something really important that I need to tell you right off the bat. The reason he is currently still in jail, because it's now been more than three and a half years, and you know his original sentence was 38 months. That would have been over in September 2021. Why is he still in jail? I'll tell you why he is still in jail, and this is just so important that people understand this he is in jail still because of the things he said in court in during our trial in 2018 so there were quite a few times when the judge said he interrupted Alfred because Alfred did his own defense I mean he had a lawyer beside him but he basically spoke for himself on his own behalf he did his own defense Quite a few times the judge interrupted him and said, Oh, oh I, I have to warn you that if you carry on with this, the way uh, this uh, speaking, the, what you are talking about now, then very likely we will have to, uh, do new charges against you. This is now breaking the law. Now, well, you I just,
0: defend yourself and we'll charge yeah. you again for defending yourself.
2: Oh, that's correct. Now, where else should you defend yourself but in the court? I mean, what happened to this notion of, you know, the, the judge hears one side and hears the other side and weighs it out and looks at the evidence on, of both sides and de- de- determines, okay, you know, makes a judgment that what's that, what's that all about? No, in Germany, you are not allowed to explain, for ex- example, how you reached your conclusions that there were no homicidal gas chambers at the work camps the concentration camps or and any number of other uh, uh, things about the so-called holocaust okay so you are not allowed to bring evidence okay but alfred what he did you know he's a he's a very uh, courageous man he let the judge say those things and then he proceeded he said well you want to lock me up for six million years anyway, and I am just speaking the truth and I shall carry on. And you know, something that I already discovered even if well before the trial started, because I was in jail for six months before the trial began, uh, and so there were some bail hearings. And the judge, the, the, um, justification document, for keeping me in jail rather than letting me go and await trial at my brother's dwelling, like not, not to return to Canada. I wasn't going to try to escape. Like they would have, there would have been conditions. They could have held my passport. I could have had to, you know, report to the police every day or every week or whatever. Anyway, these bail hearings always ended in failure. I I stayed in jail and the document, which gave the justification for that I honestly wondered if I had been at the same hearing as the judge because they fabricated things. And so I thought, well, this frees me up. You know, they make a decision beforehand and then they they have their process. And the same thing goes for the trial. The verdict is predetermined and then they do their show trial. And, you know, on day one, Alfred did call it a Muppet show and he also refused to stand up when the judge came in. The judge didn't like that at all, but he... He didn't want to recognize the authority of the judge over this inquisi- it, it's It was an inquisition, essentially. Well,
0: it reminds me a little bit of a story by that great Jewish writer, uh, Franz Kafka. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the trial. It is rather, uh,
2: yeah. Okay, yeah, I think I have read it, but you'll have to remind me how that went. But even just, you know, the word Kafkaesque, yes, I've read enough. Kafka to understand that it just makes you scratch your head in bewilderment and bafflement because it's just so bizarre and nothing makes sense
0: yeah you're being being charged with something but you don't really know what and you're not sure you know when they're going to come and get you and precisely what you're supposed to do and, and the whole there's making it all up as they go along and it's one bureaucratic Uh, crazy thing after another, I mean, it it seems like, and then there's, of course, the trial in Alice in Wonderland, which I guess could be another model for the sort of prosecution. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, and you know, when you say that they make it up as they go along, or you don't really know what you're allowed to say or not say, that actually is literally true, that you don't know what you are allowed to say or not to say according to the law, because this law, paragraph 130, under which we were charged, and it's known as the Holocaust denial law, but the word Holocaust does not appear in that law. It is quite vague, really, but it does say that you are not allowed to diminish uh, the crimes of the National Socialist government, and you're also not allowed to aggrandize their achievements or, you know, say good things about them. So that's basically in a nutshell and then there, there's some things about you know incitement and and something about um the genocide law that gets invoked in that but they don't mention any specifics they don't tell you what you're allowed to say for example they don't say tell you that if you were to say uh 5 million jews died or were killed which of course is a lie but let me just give that as an example is that Holocaust denial? Does it? They don't specify the, the um, place where a crime took place. They don't specify the uh, the the, to- the uh, weapon that was used to carry out the crime. They don't specify, you know, gas chambers or was it electric? Conveyor belts or was it, uh, you know, diesel, diesel van? <laughs> I mean, all these things have been written about, you know, the different methods that were used and the numbers of Jews who allegedly were murdered, even in the mainstream media. And I would say the Jewish owned mainstream media, the numbers vary wildly and all these things. We brought this into the, into the trial. You know, and so why is it that none of those numbers or facts get taken to task? But
0: How how can you know what you can say when, you know, the the father of academic Holocaust studies, Hilberg, said 5.1 million Jews dying in the Holocaust was his best estimate. And, And yet others say that if you don't say exactly 6 million, then you're a Holocaust denier and should go to prison. How can anybody know what they're allowed to say in Germany?
2: yeah that's exactly uh my lawyer made those arguments and he made them very well and i'll tell you something it was the um was it the first day or the second day of the trial he he made this very rousing speech about an hour long and it basically to say why this case should be stayed why it should be thrown out why it should be dismissed and why the the law itself is completely Uh, unconstitutional or unlawful, whatever. The whole thing is illegitimate. And he made this absolutely fantastic speech. And at at the end of it, the prosecutor has a chance to speak. And, you know, all she could come up with was that he looked too often in the direction of the public gallery when he was speaking. He's supposed to address the judge. And he used too much passion in his voice. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is awful.
0: Maybe they're going to have to arrest the lawyer. I understand they do that sometimes. They actually arrest lawyers for defending people uh, oh, yes. uh, who have these opinions.
2: Oh, yes. You know, uh, it's a very, very fine dance. It's a very fine, um, you know, they're, they're going on a tightrope, the lawyers in Germany who do this, this job of defending uh, people who have, Come up against this, uh, this law of uh, <laughs> paragraph 130. It's such a fine dance. And I, I can tell you the lawyer that I had, Wolfram Nahrat, he's the same lawyer who defended, uh, Ursula Haverbeck and also Sylvia Stolz. Now, I suppose you could say, gee, he doesn't have a good track record because they both went to jail and the others also went to jail that he defended. But I mean, he's, he's in Germany. Don't forget. And, th- like these Kafkaesque laws, that's what we're dealing with. But I'm telling you, he does this fantastic job of of walking that that tightrope, and really powerful the the things he says. It's not for lack of his intelligence and his arguments that the people have gone to jail. No, it. But he himself so far has stayed out of jail the same cannot be said of other lawyers you know of course about Sylvia Stoltz who went to jail for doing her job too well uh, for Ernst Sandel and then she went to jail again for the speech that she gave after she got out and the speech was not in Germany it was given in Switzerland at an anti-censorship coalition I mean the whole thing I, I could go on and on about the how bizarre it is how fiercely how fiercely the Jews protect their story. I
1: Could call I it Holocaust Yes, please Captain, do.
2: Isn't, isn't that sure. an example of Jewish
1: power? I mean, isn't it <laughs> right there writ large where you can and cannot say things in a court of law and, and say, I can't bring evidence? Um, you know, I can say with, with complete certainty, six million Jews did not die in World War II. And that's going to end me up in prison in Germany or Israel. You know, it's it's um it I uh, you know I didn't read Kafka but I know the word Kafkaesque too. And and it's just um you know this is their, they will um, use that pill pull ability to distort and twist and torture the language until they get what they want and 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 like Monica is expressing here. Um, you know, glancing sideways at the jury as opposed to speaking to the judge. It's just it's it's pathetic how they can can dominate these things. You know, my uh, you know, my my favorite journalist was was Helen Thomas saying, get the hell out of Palestine. And they destroyed her after that. And they also destroyed journalism. Everybody's afraid to ask. There are no journalists anymore.
2: That's Uh, right.
1: Pretty soon there won't be any lawyers anymore. I mean, that's
2: right. How can you study
1: law for, for, you know, how many years they, they do study law? Um, it's it's an immense job to understand that and then just be throttled at the end and uh, not even allowed to say that's Jewish power that's working that. Um, so that's, I guess, the difference between an activist and a politician or a lawyer um, is we get to say what we want. So uh yeah. c- c- Continue, Monica, I don't mean oh, to... Oh,
2: yeah, no, that's if, fantastic, because I, I did listen to your your half hour before I came on, and, and the, you know, the main theme of that was Jewish power. Yeah, Jewish power is uh, the power to forbid you from talking about Jewish power. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
0: that, Gilad Aspin has said that a number of times, and uh, yeah. I think he's on to something. Um, yeah. Yeah, certainly, the, these kinds of laws, uh, these exceptional laws around this particular Holocaust story, are examples of a, cert- a certain kind of power of a certain ethnic group that's really gone on steroids. <laughs> like I, I can talk about Gijin Polia's work on the thirty million Muslim nine eleven holocaust. And uh, if somebody comes along and says, I don't I think 30 million was too many. You know, really, it's it's only, you know, 20 million or or even 10 or some would even say even even as low as six. (laughs) Uh, Somehow, I don't think there's any country on Earth, including the Muslim countries, where they're ever going to arrest you and imprison you for Muslim Holocaust denial. But uh, and the same would be true for the Irish Holocaust, when the British, uh, of course, with with Jewish bankers having a lot of power in that government, uh, genocide in Ireland uh, in the 19th century, uh, in fact, more than once in, in the other centuries as well, and we'd go on and on and on about all of these holocausts and genocides so, that Gideon you know that, has studied.
2: Yeah, you can you can deny you know any one of those, like you say, Kevin, and you're not going to be charged or go to jail. But you know the the interesting thing about it is those are those ones happened, like the Holodomor, it actually happened. So the one that didn't happen, that's the one that you go to jail for questioning their story. And that's exactly the point. I mean, they have to use the force of law and the force of putting somebody behind bars to keep their story going. That's exactly the point. And then if they forbid you to defend yourself in court or bring evidence, that's how they keep the story going. I mean, it's pure force. It's pure force. That's the only way to keep it. Truth does not uh, fear investigation. And so they obviously fear investigation. I think they're in panic mode right now. I mean, they're just going crazy with, you know, more and more laws about you have to, you know, these, the states, more states are bringing in the, the, holo, the compulsory Holocaust education. And, you know, I mean, they're very afraid of losing their narrative here. And, you know, I think that the, the Holocaust is really the key. So when it's like the linchpin lie, when this one falls, then the whole Jewish question is exposed. Is, is the light of day comes on to the whole entire Jewish question because the narrative is always that oh the Jews have always been persecuted, poor Jews, poor Jews, while they are doing this to their their host population, their victims. You see, so it's all inverted, it's all backwards, and the Holocaust is the The linchpin of that narrative, it's, it's their story. It's their identity. You ask any Jewish person what, what's their identity all about and whatnot, and the Holocaust will definitely come up. So Mm -hmm. if, when we take down this, and I say when, it's not if, this is falling apart, this story. More and more people are, are looking into this and, you know, saying, gee, I don't think this really happened. Well, then their whole structure falls down, really their whole narrative their house of cards just comes tumbling down and it just you know it it can't come too soon really because they're the ones who are behind our current terrible uh you know the the attempt to genocide of of us with this the job the covid thing like it's the same people you know and, and well, what i can't you
0: know, that, that that brings up what Fran Schor said in the first hour about uh this kind of trauma based mind control and the politics of fear you could argue that uh, Jewish people themselves are the primary victims of the psychological conditioning that makes them so terrorized by the Holocaust story that then the, this, this ethnic, whole ethnic group sort of as a whole, uh, you know led by the most powerful factions within it, ends up behaving in these destructive ways because of the, the suffering of these people who are brought up. You know if you saw that film "Defamation." the documentary showing these little Jewish kids from Israel being taken to Poland to go, to go look at Auschwitz and they're being told the whole time that all these Polish people want to kill you. They all wanted that. They see that they, there's a scene where this little kid is in a park, like in, and the, the handlers point to the old Polish man on the park bench and say, see, he, he wants to exterminate you. So these poor Jewish people are traumatized from almost from birth to believe that, the world wants to exterminate them just because they're Jewish, and I think that probably has a lot to do with the various kinds of uh, irrationalities and uh, and pernicious behaviors coming out of the bad parts of that community.
2: Well, I you know, the Holocaust go ahead. The
1: linchpin. I'm sorry. I think the Holocaust as a linchpin is is really a, a terrific analogy there or a descriptor. Um, you know, Monica, I came at this from the um, from the Free Palestine movement. And, um, you know, when I realized that it was the Jewish state that was oppressing Palestinians, but we couldn't mention Jews doing the, the oppressing. You know, we had to say the state of Israel, and all, it, was all, it was all very, very controlled. And the, um, um, but, but when you realize that, that the Holocaust is there in the Palestine movement, because no matter how bad things are for Palestinians, the world is convinced that it was always worse for the Jews because of the Holocaust. You know, and if you ask somebody why were Jews victimized in a in, in Germany uh, prior to World War II, well, then you're a true anti-Semite, right? Because you can't bring up the fact that the Judea declared war on Germany in 1933. You know, you can't yeah. you can't tell people that that 94 of Polish Jews didn't even speak Polish. You know, they spoke Yiddish. You know, mm-hmm. how's that for turning your back on the host country? In, in where you live, what about the the, the getting the, the United States into World War One um, against Germany? How did that make regular Germans feel? In you know, uh, isn't that isn't that logical? Can't we just talk about this stuff? So, linchpin. Um, you know, I I hope you're right. Um, I hope uh, that that it's that it's falling apart um, as they keep plugging away. You know, I have a um, a Google alert on the word Holocaust and i'll get 10 to 12 stories per day um even when it's not national holocaust remembrance week or whatever it is or, yeah
2: you know it, yeah and you know i'm i'm glad you you talk about the palestinians like they must all the time say, look, why are we being punished for the alleged, I'll put in that word, alleged crimes of the Germans? But even if the Germans had have done all these evil things, why are the Palestinians being punished? You see, so, but the, the Jews, they use this Holocaust thing as a forever, they can do anything. And I mean, there's that, that perfect clip that on Shulamit, what's her name, That former Israeli cabinet minister. Shulamit Aloni? Yeah, that's it. And she's answering questions to, um, you know. on The the
1: Jewish Amy Goodman.
2: Yeah, exactly, the Jewish. Dominating
1: democracy now, right? (laughs) (laughs) What, Amy isn't Jewish enough for you, Henry?
2: (laughs) Controlled controlled opposition, but nevertheless, that was just a dynamite piece there, that minute and a half where, you know, she asked her, well, whenever – we criticize, or somebody here criticizes something that the Israelis are doing, you know, they're, then they're called anti-Semitic. She says, oh yes, it's a trick we use. In, in America, you know, if somebody criticizes us, we call them anti-Semitic. And in, in Europe, we bring out the Holocaust. Yes, it's a trick. And, and then she says, oh, you know, it's okay. We're smart and it's okay. We... <laughs> like she was basically justifying all that.
0: It's, <laughs> That's chutzpah, isn't it?
2: Oh, unbelievable. Uh, but anyway, I know we're we're getting close to the top of the hour. Yeah, and we have I, about 30 wanted... seconds left here. Oh, my. Well, you know, Alfred's birthday is in two days. And if you want to write him a letter, please do. Or oh, go happy to my birthday, website. Alfred. Um, yeah, go to my website. Uh, it's called freespeechmonica.com. Monica with a K, and there you will find some information about, you know, where to find the address for Alfred, support Alfred Schaefer, and then also recent letters from him and things like that, because I would have loved to talk more about how he's doing. He's actually, in spite of the circumstances, he's, you know, he's been in solitary confinement for over a year now since December 3rd 2020 solitary confinement and it's because of his defiance against the masks like he insists on breathing freely and he is steadfast in that but i'm telling you they they try to break him but he is not being broken he his spirit is alive and well he he just radiates this winning attitude it's fantastic you know, if people would think, oh, gee, he's na- naive. No, are you kidding me? He's at the front of this war. I and mean, and he
0: will write back to you if you write to him. He writes quite an eloquent letter. Uh, so absolutely. people can find the address at freespeechmonica, that's Monica with a K, freespeechmonica.com. Well, thank you so much, Monica Schaefer and Henry Gerskiewicz. It's been a great discussion. We get to hear the other side of the story. Like thank, you you.
1: thank
0: you. Thank you. This is off I okay. don't